Hey, chaps. What a time to be alive, frankly. So thoroughly enjoyed uh, yesterday's stream. Drongo, good evening. Fine, sir. Thoroughly enjoyed yesterday's uh, stream and and bit of a rant, bit of bit of a chat. It was great. Uh, today I've been sweating. Uh, my bees have been uh, what is called burcomb and crosscomb. So it's when the frames there's a box on top of a box and they're building up comb between the frames. So I had to take that off, slice all that comb away, and just clean things up. So I was sweating it up out there. Um, but I had a, a wonderful day, a wonderful day with God's creation. Uh, the bees are just a phenomenal, phenomenal creation, a phenomenal technology, as it were. And um, what else did I do today? Oh, yeah, went down to the local hardware store and uh, bought some uh, organic fertilizer and uh, got some coffee at the local coffee shop. It was very nice. So I've had a had a great morning. And I've just been thinking on this thing where we kind of ended yesterday's, we, we kind of ended yesterday's chat, yesterday's stream on this thing of optics, social acceptance. You know, this thing of, uh, you know, do we denounce figures who are socially unacceptable? Do we uh, steer away from political, politically incorrect uh, opinions, events, people, policies uh, in order to maintain... Man, this is going to suck if our Wi-Fi is struggling today. Blaine Morgan, welcome, brother. We were we were hit quite hard with... I don't know if this is just me being in a rural area or if it's just a convenient way to, uh, you know, disrupt the flow of chi. <clears throat> so, um, so th this idea of optics, this idea of social acceptance, this idea of big tent, this idea of trying to appeal to as many people as possible. As Christians, uh, and more recently as nationalists, I haven't always been a nationalist. I've, I've been a, I grew up very much a, classical uh, English socialist, uh, morphed into a libertarian, morphed into an anarcho-capitalist, um, and then had a hard reset in my life, you know, of um, of kind of finally finding my people in my place and saying, whoa, wait a tick, this is worth fighting for. Of the the will of the, the, the di demographic chaos of the will of the majority. You know, in a, in a diverse democracy, the minorities have no representation because the the majority is often an ethnic majority or a cultural majority and therefore in a democracy uh, you have no suffrage you have no as a, as a minority you have no political power and so what you see in diverse uh, throughout history in diverse empires diverse uh, states economic zones is that the minority cultures, the minority ethnic groups, build institutional power in other ways. You know, so you don't have the machinery of the state per se. You don't have the sword. You don't have the crown. But what can you do? You know, an economy is one of the biggest things, you know, e economic sovereignty. You know, hire your own people. You build your own businesses. You buy from your own tribe. Uh, you trade with your own tribe. You protect. You have protectionism. You have in-group preference towards your own tribe economically. You buy property. You live close together. You form security associations with your in-group. Family is an institutional power. You have strong families, many children. You you teach your own children. Right? Education is a an institution. You don't farm your your children out to the the alien culture to the other culture. You know, it's that, that quote, uh, we send our children to Rome and then wonder why they come back Roman. Matt, oh, good day, mate. Oh, welcome. Plenty good to have you on. So family and education is an institutional power. The Bible says that children are arrows in the hands of a warrior. The Bible says that if you train up a child in the way he will go, he will when he is old, he will not depart. And God willing, we will have many children. God willing, we will have many, many children. And uh, I pray that's the same for you guys, inshallah, that you would find, for you single chaps, that you would find a virtuous woman. Uh, and that you would, you would, you know, marriage, because this is another thing, you know, we, we spoke a couple a couple streams back on work 
the liberal meme of work is that work is bad. Work is evil. Work is, whereas God made work good. Work is is and and should should invigorate us if we are working to our domain and gift our talent. Likewise with marriage, the liberal frame of marriage is that marriage is a drag. Marriage is a ball and chain. Marriage is is bad. Whereas God designed marriage, He said it's not good for a man to be alone, and uh, it says that a a prudent wife is an inheritance from the Lord. It's a gift from, and so. Uh, you look at what is the purpose of a wife. It's to be a helpmeet to her husband. So getting a wife is like strapping on another engine to your mission, to your purpose, because she is going to help you and be your help, uh, uh, a helpmate fit for your mission and your purpose. Uh, and then obviously children, right? You know, our purpose, our work is, uh, you know, what a pity if you don't have a multi-generational work, a multi-generational will, a vindictive will. You know, of this is what our family, this is the impact our family is going to have on this world. This is the impact generations from now, my children are going to be having with the inheritance I've laid up for them. You know, this is the, this is the arrows in the hand of the warrior. This is where I'm sending them. This is what I'm tasking them with institutional power to be godly, God fearing young men and women who build institutional power for the Lord, who advance the kingdom of God on earth, who steward creation and disciple the nations through ministry, through media, through economy, through government, you know, all the domains. We want Christian men leading and and working in all those domains. You know, Christian nationalism is not the church, some pope being president. Christian nationalism is sincere, God-fearing men at the top of their hierarchies in every domain, in every industry, in every bureau. That's Christian nationalism, is cultural cultural saturation. And that's why I said in, in this thing, you know, of in this, uh, when I shared this stream on, on Twitter, institutional power is what we're going for. Social acceptance, Christianity has never been socially acceptable. Why? It, is, it does not cater to the masses. It does not cater to the lowest common denominator. It invites, it invites everybody. It invites the lowest common denominator. But once you give your life to Christ, once you make him Lord, so you've been saved, that's wonderful. But now that you make him Lord, it's now a very hard road. It's now you pick up your cross. It's now you follow, you follow me as I follow Christ. You, you're being discipled. You are, you are choosing hum, humility. You are choosing to be God-fearing and not man-fearing, not social acceptance-fearing. John Noel, welcome, brother. <clears throat> Jared, that was Vadi, Vadi Bachom. I can't even pronounce his name. The quote about sending your kids to Rome. Matt, how should we go about training our future children to effectively wield power to the glory of God? Yeah, man. I mean, just think back to your own life. You know, Think about your own, uh, your own father and, and how he grew up. One of my greatest wishes uh and it's not it's not a resentment thing it's not a remorse thing it's like it's a learning thing it's like okay you know should should the lord give me children i will do this differently that i've seen it now but my dad built a business he owned property he was very influential in local politics uh he was a bit of a media man he was really good at promotion and so i would far rather from the age of 12 just followed my dad around just done an apprenticeship with my dad, you know, and, and he passed at 16, but four years following my dad around, learning who all his friends were, learning how he operated, you know, that would have been a, a phenomenal, that would have been, you know, our liberal liberal educations are worthless anyway. You know, we leave with zero skills, level zero personal skills, zero practical skills. Like, you know, praise God if you make it out just with a sane mind. Um. But imagine just following your dad around, even if your dad's a humble man, you know, even if he's just a tradesman, you know, or, a, you know, just a whatever little business. Because that's the thing, chaps, we, we've got to start going towards this thing of owning our own economy. It's okay. There's no shame in working for a corporation. There's no shame in working for other men. But as much as is possible, we should start, we should start making moves toward a ownership of our own economy. So whether that's learning skills, so, so that... My skills are what are valuable, not my position in someone's company. You know, so you can still work for people. Again, loot clown world, milk clown world. 
If you're going to go work for some big corporation and they're going to funnel you crap ton of money, praise God for it, brother. But don't rest on your your uh, success being because you are politically connected to this this corporation or whatever. Make it rest on the fact that you get crap done. You're a man of skill and a man of of power. But but when you start owning your own economy, you now control your time and your energy and you can bring your children into that. So if you work for someone else, you can't bring your children along necessarily. But if you work for yourself, it's like, all right, you're going to watch dad work. You're going to work with dad. Um, and even to the point of, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have the same skill sets. I don't have the same skill sets that my father did. And so it would be a thing of like finding out what your your child's uh, skill set and talent stack and kind of personality and stuff is. And it's like, you know, I think from very young, you can start pushing them toward a domain or a couple of domains. Again, it's okay to have, you know, uh, fishing rods in each domain, you know, and see see what you catch. But you're, you're looking from that sense of, of thing as institutional power. How can I set my children up to wield power, institutional power, uh, and to be a success in their domain? Mr. Max, welcome, brother. The Lord will take you as you are, but not leave you as you are, my man. And that's why Christianity is not appealing to the masses because, you know, this gospel that is preached of just get saved, God loves you, uh, you know, um, you can still look like the culture. You, God will leave you as you are. It's it's not true. It's true that God loves you. It's true that he died for you in the midst of your worst sin. But from that place, it's go and sin no more. And and that's not to condemn us. That's not to like, oh, Scott, we got to live by the law. It's like, no, no, no. We must understand our sin nature is dealt with. So we are no longer sinners. We are now saints. But it's our sin habits. It's our sin lifestyle that we've lived so much. That we now have to be like, oh, I, I, that's not pleasing to the Lord. Okay, what do I do? Discipleship. You find older men who are walking towards Christ. And like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And we start course correcting. We start getting out of our old sin habits into holy habits, into God-fearing habits, into humble habits, into habits that please the Lord. You know, and, and that's why it's important to, to look at the life of David, to look at the life of Joseph, Jonathan, Abraham. If you were the sons of Abraham, you would do the deeds of Abraham. Uh, faith without works is dead. And so, you know, I had a, a fascinating chat um, with a friend of mine. You know, he, he also has a bunch of Mormon uh, friends. And we we're just saying, like, why are the Mormons so wholesome? Why are the Mormons so, uh, you know, I don't know a single Mormon who's a degenerate. Uh, not that I know many, but I mean, even the branding is pretty, pretty wholesome. And he was just saying how their theology is very works heavy. It's a very much a reward theology of, you know, it's, I don't want to use this word, but just for simplification, for ADIQ simplification, karma. They believe in a sort of karma where you will be rewarded for your works. And it's like, wait a minute, Protestants believe that, you know, we believe that faith without works is dead. And we believe that if you steward uh, your, your one talent, that you will be given more talents. Uh, and not only in this life, but in, in the afterlife, that there is a reward theology in our afterlife for the works that we did on earth. And that is, that is a very hard, this inequality, this inequality pill is a hard pill to swallow, that God will honor some men more than others. God loves everyone the same. You know, that's that's where the the kind of the liberal Christians get it right of like God loves everyone, God loves everyone. And it's like, yeah, he does. He does love everyone. But he honors men differently. And some men he doesn't like. Some men he 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 does not like their actions and what they do. Um and that's what confuses a lot of people. You know, like how could God be a loving God if he watches Hitler do all of, and it's like that's fine. God loved Hitler. God loves Hitler. But it doesn't mean that you condone all the whatever meme atrocities, you know, you want to ascribe. And that's where, where this thing of Christianity will never be mainstream. It can, so, and, and here's where I'm getting with this. Christianity will never be mainstream. Nationalism will never be mainstream. Nationalism is the love of your people, the love of your place. Well, what about, what about the wretched people? They don't deserve love. So it's hard to love them, right? What about the desecrated places? They don't deserve love, so it's hard to love the, the desecrated places, right? Well, what about cheap Chinese stuff? 
And I said, well, it's, yeah, it's easier to go and buy cheap Chinese stuff. What about cheap Mexican labor? Yeah, it's it's easier and cheaper to get cheap Mexican labor. Like nationalism is hard. It requires a lifestyle change. Christianity is hard. It requires a lifestyle change. And for that reason, the masses will never uh, accept willingly uh, Christianity or nationalism. And that's okay. That's okay for us, right? We don't need to be a majority. We don't need, we don't need to be socially accepted because we are building institutional power. Let me, let me, I'm going to hit on this. I'll, I'll come back to all your comments while I've got a rabbit trail here. So institutional power is seen families, economies, churches, right? Who, who do we think of when you, those three things as an in-group, it's the Amish and it's the Jews, right? Family, solid families, like they believe in patriarchy. The women uh, are submissive. They don't uh, go and divorce rape the men. They don't go and uh, sleep around and all this kind of stuff. It's like, no, you get married and you serve your husband and you have a wonderful family and you live a purposeful life as his helpmeet. So likewise, the husband, patriarch, you lead the family, you provide, you, uh, you protect, you buy property. Both the Amish and, and the Jews are property heavy. You buy property. You build your own business or your own trade around. You, you, you offer a service or a product. You build businesses that you own. And then you in-group. You, you employ your cousins. You employ your sons. You employ your neighbor. You employ your friends who are your in-group, right? Amish and Jews. That's what they do, right? There's a saying, no poor Jew. What that means is you are obligated as a Jewish man. If you see some washed up poor Jewish man, give him a job. Bring him in and be like, look, man, I'm going to get you back on your feet. And he doesn't have to be an affluent, you know, crazy thing. But it's like, no, you're not going to be homeless. You're not going to be jobless. And there's that in-group preference of like, you're also not going to be a deadbeat. You're not going to be a deadbeat. We're going to sort you the crap out so that you bring, so that there is order uh, in our in-group. We don't leave people behind, but we also don't let them just act however they want to act. And so we see this with another institutional power is the media. So you don't need, like the Amish don't care for social acceptance. The Jews don't care for social acceptance. You know, so when you own media institutions, you are setting the social acceptance. When you own ministry institutions, you are setting, in media, you, in ministry, you are setting the social acceptance of your in-group. You're basically teaching, if you, every week at your church, this is what is good, this is what God pleases God. This is what is bad. This is what displeases God. Uh, this is, you know, you are loved. You are, you are uh, clean. You're, you're free of shame and guilt. And now <clears throat> here's how you live. And we want to disciple you into how do you be more like Christ? How do you, um, with the, the full, um, the comfort and guidance of the Holy Spirit, become more like Christ? Follow me, the pastor. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's the church, right? Then, then to the rest of society, your media, right? What is the branding we're setting out? What is the what is the frame we're setting in media? You know, and it's this thing of of this is the expectations. Uh, this is the celebrity. This is what we celebrate. You know, in our in group, this is what we celebrate. You know, and right now, you know, that is the mechanism of social acceptance that all of us out group guys are pandering to try and be accepted by Hollywood, be accepted by CNN, be accepted by uh, the big shot universities, be accepted by the big newspapers. And it's like, they're not our guys. They're not our guys. Uh, they're not our institutions, which is mean like, oh, we don't have institutional power. Okay, we need to supplicate ourselves and seek social approval, seek social approval so that we don't get ejected, that we don't get kicked out. You know, So if you don't want to be kicked out of a, of a Ivy League University, you toe the line. You seek social approval, acceptance, because you don't have institutional power. But you look at, at the Amish, they're the biggest, you know, FU money, FU property, FU families, FU churches, FU economy of like, we don't even go to university English. <laughs> hey, Jacob, he go to university. <laughs> you know, like they don't care. They, they do not care. There is no such thing as going to Harvard uh, if you're, if you're uh, an Amish. They've rightly seen it's not their people. It's going to destroy their people. It's going to destroy their tribe to send their children there. They're going to get a mind virus. They're going to go into debt. And so this thing for us, you know, of why we don't care about optics, why we don't care about 
social acceptance is because we are currently, and I say we, I'm talking about traditional Christians, Christian, we are building a family institution. We are building our own economy that we own. We are um, building local, uh, local economy, local community, local church. All of these kind of FU relationships, FU money, FU, uh, but just where you can just be like, I don't care. I don't care if people come after me because, you know, people can, people can, you know, try and shame me to my wife and they'll be like, oh, Scott's a misogynistic douche bastard. And it's like, my wife's like, I don't care. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Uh, likewise, you know, with like businesses and stuff, it's like, well, we're going to get you fired. And it's like, I don't work for anyone. I don't work for any like big corporate who's going to be like, uh, would you please come into HR? Uh, HR calling for bigot. <laughs> and it's like, and so, and I understand this as me being in the media domain. Uh, I am I am kind of beholden institutionally to YouTube. I'm beholden institutionally to Twitter. And so, you know, for me, it's like, again, the reason I'm not scared, number one, the most important institutional power of all time is faith in God. So it's like, God, you are my promoter. You're my protector. You're my provider. Like you're, Like you have said to Abraham, Abraham, do not fear. I am your shield, your very great reward. I take that for me. I, I literally paraphrase that for my name. Scott, do not fear. Uh, do not be afraid. I am with you. I am your shield. I am your great reward. And it's like, great, Lord, thank you. I can I can crush. And if I get kicked off of institutions, it's like I'm building relationships off of this thing. You know, so I think very quickly, like we'd find out like all of our guys, like we've been emailing and calling and, uh, you know, guys know guys. And it's like, okay, we'd figure something else out. But that's the thing where I'm now realizing, like, okay, I'm, I have to seek. I don't, but I'm saying, if I did, if this was like, you know, 10,000 YouTube, this is me uh, doing my mission, right? I'm trying to, I'm trying to convey a message. I'm not trying to uh, grift or, or build an economy off of this to the point of like, oh my gosh, if my YouTube is, is gone, oh, you know, I'm not going to eat tomorrow. Like, no, no, no. Like, like I'm not beholden. And so I can say a lot of things that other people who are, who are owned, who don't have the institutional power of God as my provider, uh, they will they will fold and be like, okay, I'll do what YouTube says, you know, because they, they, they don't have the institutional power, but, but saying that as well, it's also like being wise. It's like, okay, I need to start figuring out, uh, you know, getting guys emails. I need to start figuring out getting guys phone numbers. And, and we've slowly been doing that, you know, figure out, okay, well, how does Bitchute work? You know, figure out how does Gab work? Like all this kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, there are, there are in, um, strongholds to fall back to while we build on clown worlds. Uh, infrastructure. John Noah, welcome, brother. The wealth of many children who share your worldview cannot be underestimated. Yeah, imagine that, man. Imagine 10 mini yous running around. And obviously, they won't exactly like you, but they'll have your your spirit. They'll have your attitude. They'll have your worldview. Um, they'll have your inheritance, your legacy that you've laid ahead for them. W. Laser, welcome, brother. Andrew Quinn. Hey, brother. Mr. Max, sometimes I wish I could join the Amish, but they don't accept outsiders, and they are right. Even with the best intention, I would bring outside ideas that wouldn't mesh with their way of life. Jake Stein, good afternoon, brother. Yeah, Mr. Max, that's exactly it, man, with the Amish. Uh, I really wanted to hit on this here. The Amish understand that they don't need anyone else. They don't need outsiders. They don't need, you know, it's it, this is textbook fundamentalism. You know, fundamentalism is you go and build, you barricade yourself out from, from the outside world. And that's a wonderful thing. You know, it's just that our interpretation, well, I say our, I'm talking about like the vaguely Protestant slash Catholic church. Our interpretation is that we also have to then be missional. And so the, the other extreme of like solid Amish fundamentalism, the other, you know, just barricade yourself off from the, from the outside world is missional and extreme missional people. That's like classic Tim Keller, like go become a soy boy in the city and, and, and just become socially acceptable to the culture, become so socially acceptable to the culture that there is no differentiation. So they're like, Oh yeah, Christians are us. I'm a Christian. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Everyone's a Christian. Everyone's a Christian. And when everyone's a Christian, no one's a Christian. And so there has to be, there has to be kind of a healthy balance of these two things of like, it's good to enclave. It's good to barricade. It's good to build in-group strength. But there also, there also is a command by the Lord to disciple the nations. 
Go, therefore, uh, baptize them in the name of the uh, the Father or the Holy Spirit. I think it's in the name of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, what, whatever the scripture says, you guys know this. Uh, and teach them to obey my commands. And that that kind of part is like, plop, plop that off in the missional side. It's like, we must preach the good news. We must. And what's the good news is that God loves everybody. So Christ came not to condemn everybody, but to save everybody. Wonderful. Let's get them all baptized. Everyone baptized. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> We're good. It's like, no, no, no. Like, go on there, which is going back to the fundamental enclave. Teach them to obey my commands. And those commands are not easy uh, for us as Christians. You know, what is that scripture of like, uh, who can bear these commands? You know, who can who can uh, bear the weight of these commands? Because it's it's dying to self. Myself doesn't want to die. I don't want to put myself as a living sacrifice, put myself on the altar. Like, no ways. It's way easier uh, to live to my desires and and my flesh and my comfort. You know, why Why don't I have a rippling six-pack abs and huge biceps? And Because I, I don't, to be quite honest, I don't put in the discipline. I don't die to my comfort. I would far rather sit on the couch and scroll Twitter. And um, and that's, you know, it's the <laughs> it's the whole thing of like dudes who don't drink coffee. And it's like, you have a caffeine addiction and you belong in jail. And it's like, yeah, you know, to a certain extent, yes. <laughs> you know, like I don't think, I don't think coffee addiction is, is, you know, look, libertarianly guys, it doesn't, it doesn't aggress on anyone else. It's a non-aggression addiction. Uh, but nonetheless, it's, it's a comfort for me. It's comforting to me to have many cups of coffee. And so when you look at Christianity, it's hard. Who can bear it? Who can bear the cross who can bear these commands and that's why christ says it is better that i go so that you may have the holy spirit who will comfort you so it's like we don't seek comfort in our desires we don't seek comfort in our flesh we seek comfort in the holy spirit as we we follow as we obey christ's commands and that's why it'll never be a thing of the masses so let me get i've i've kept laboring on this christianity and nationalism will never be socially acceptable however they are heavy. Christianity is heavy on institution building, the family. Scripture is heavy on how to have a healthy, whole, powerful family. Scripture is heavy on economy, money, work. Scripture is heavy on governance. Scripture is heavy on media, on how to teach, how to, how to preach the good news, how to, what to celebrate, what to uh, shame. Heavy. Nationalism is heavy on economic policy. You protect your own people against outside profiteers. You protect your own people against outside comforts that would come in, you know, the opioid. Uh, I'm reading, I'm rereading Hudson Taylor's biography, the, the missionary to China in the 1800s. And it's like, man, these bloody perfidious, the perfidious Albion, you know, these bloody British uh, traders, uh, the, the bankers and, and corporatists were funneling opioids into China as a trade deficit. We own the poppy fields in Afghanistan and India. It's really cheap for us. Let's import this into China, into China, get people addicted and charge skyrocketing prices and then squash our deficit. You know, and it's like, that is, if you love your people, if you're a Chinese nationalist, you go to war to stop this comfort, to stop this opioid, to stop this exploitation by outside profiteers, outside corporatists. That is nationalism. It's hard. You have to make confrontations. You have to perhaps even lose your life to protect your people, your place. We don't want that. Majority of people don't want that. I'd rather just avoid. I'd rather just, yeah, yeah, libertarianism, please. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so that's it. So, so it'll never be socially acceptable uh, to be nationalist or Christian because it requires too. So here's where it comes in: is that building institutional power. And so what happens is. Majority of normies will just do whatever those who have institutional power say. That is a normie. We follow the institutional norms. So it is on us as Christian men, as nationalist men, to gain as much honor in a hierarchy as we can, to gain as much skill and strength and mastery and courage in a hierarchy as we can so that we can be the ones who wear the crown. We can be the ones who bear the sword for righteousness, for good. So now, Christian nationalism, right? If it's all a bunch of sincere Christ-following, people-loving, place-loving Christian men 
who are in government, in economy, in media, in ministry, and they're the tops of their hierarchies, guess what the normies are going to be? They're going to become culturally Christian. They're going to become culturally nationalist because they will just go. And then people will be like, well, Scott, this is why we hate theonomy and Christian nationalism because people will just be culturally Christian. They won't really be saved. And it's like, yes, you know, we would rather our people be culturally satanic. We would rather our people be culturally degenerate. We would rather our people be culturally cutting off their dicks and being, you know, it's like, how stupid can you get and still breathe? You know, whoever is in power, their their religion, their ideology, their belief system will become the law of the land and the normies will follow it. So why not be a righteous man being the one who wears the crown and bears the sword? And it's like, you know, these this libertarian psyop of the sword is evil, the crown is evil, statist, authoritarian. And it's like, read your Bible, read your Bible. The sword is a ministry of the Lord, not of Satan, of the Lord. It is to it is for the the punishment of evildoers and the reward of those who are righteous. And so guess what the normies are going to do? Oh, crap. They punish murdering babies. Oh, crap. They punish, you know, pick your degenerate whatever issue is most degenerate to you. Oh, crap. They punish that and they reward getting married, having a family. They reward not sending your kids to school and actually homeschooling. They reward saving money instead of going into debt. They reward, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to become that. Our lifestyle is going to change. Like they punish Walmart. Like we, and guess what the people will become? Culturally Christian, culturally nationalist. They will culturally obey the Lord, follow the Lord. They will culturally love their people, love their place. That's not a bad thing. If someone's going to get saved, they're going to get saved whether they were, you know, how many of us grew up with like crazy legalistic baptist backgrounds? You still ended up having to have a, a salvation experience and get preached to. Guess what? The, the evangelists just adjust their uh, tactics. You're no longer preaching to degenerates in Los Angeles, you know, trying to figure out how to get them saved. You're now preaching to good country boys who were raised in a Baptist home. And it's like, you know that, you know that they aren't saved because they're just cultural Christians. So you adjust your, your evangelization tactic because the cultural and Christian and nationalistic doesn't mean that we now just leave them to their, their secret sins, you know? And, and it's like, what would you rather have secret sins or outright in public degeneracy? And it's like, no, we'd rather have secret sins. We'd rather have secret homosexuality, secret, uh, you know, drunkenness, secret, whatever. And it's like, oh, but Scott, you're just pushing it underground. You're just making it so that they'll do it behind your backs. And it's like, yeah, rather than in front of kids at school, pushing it down their throats, rather than on TV, making 10 times the converts that it is to be in secret. And then we adjust our evangelization strategy. The strategy is now no boys are smoking in the, in the, in the back locker room. We know boys are sleeping with their girlfriends after prom or after the football match we know guys are secretly homo we know guys are secretly taking loans like how do we preach to those guys now it just changes your strategy of what it means to to have christian outreach but i'd far rather have franco christian nationalism as the sword and the crown you know franco what an absolute boss you know just like we have mask mask mandates he's like all right, chaps. Oh, no, that's that's. Just take it as as my upper class English accent for a Spaniard. I can't quite do the Spanish accent, but it's like, all right, chaps. Things are getting a bit riffraff out there. Suit and tie mandate. Like how based? Like basically, if you're gonna go out in public as a Spanish man, you wear a suit and tie. And it's like, sure. Like, is that uncomfortable? Yes. That's why people don't do it. That's why we end up in Walmart at two in the morning in your pajamas. 400 pounds overweight, haven't, haven't showered in four days. But if a governor comes and says, I will punish you if you do not wear a suit and tie and be a man of good character, it's like, okay, fine. That is more uncomfortable than me just putting on a suit and tie and actually looking good. You know, it's, it's phenomenal, phenomenal. The mental gymnastics that people do to, that's it. It's just anytime someone screeches about Christian nationalism, about theonomy, 
about uh, authoritarianism. It's like, okay, you, the person who's screeching, don't want morality imposed on you. You don't want the sword uh, to punish you for being lazy. You're lazy. Or you're in some form of deviancy that you know, your conscience knows, uh, will be outlawed and won't be as easy uh, to get when a sincere Christian man is in power. And so that's why we don't care, chaps. That's why we don't care for social acceptance. What we care for is building institutions. Now, there are negative institutions and there are positive institutions. What I mean by that is like negative and positive rights assertion. Negative institutions, we don't have to fight anyone for. They are, they are, they are only up to us. They're up to our work rate, up to our laziness, whether we'll do them or not. Getting married, having children, building your own economy, owning land, meeting your neighbors, getting armed, building skills, being healthy and fit. There are many negative institutions that you can just build. No one's going to challenge you. No one's going to, well, I mean, no one's going, you don't have to fight someone and win to get it. Positive institution building, we need to fight other people, right? So if you want to go and start Gab, well, now no banks will do business with you. No server infrastructure will do business with you. No, it's like, okay, we have to fight people for server space. We have to fight people for banking, whatever. You know, same with, same with the universities, right? Either you have to subvert. So, so there's two ways of positive institution building. Subversion and overtion, overt. Subversion, I'm going to, and this is fine, chaps. If you guys are on this track, praise God for you guys. I'm going to be a gray man. I'm going to enter Harvard and I'm going to work my way up the ranks of Harvard. And then one day I'm going to be the dean of Harvard. And after 30 years of subversion, I'm going to become the dean of Harvard and just start causing chaos and take over the institution because now, you know, 30 years of subversion. That's great. That's awesome. Like, praise God for you, you type of guys. And then there's overt positive institution building, which is, man, I don't really have the skill to be a gray man for 30 years. Uh, but what I can do is build a new a new Harvard. So we're going to build strip mall seminary. You know, we're going to go and build a totally new institution and build it from the ground up. So the difference here is that the 30 years of subversion may get you. It's a huge risk. It's a huge toll on the men, the brave men who decide to go behind enemy lines. But they stand a chance of subverting and capturing 300 years worth of inheritance. 300 years worth of built up capital and uh, power. Whereas these dudes are starting from zero. So yeah, it's quicker because we, it's quicker, it's cleaner. We get to set and we don't have to, we don't have to like uh, subvert and gray man. But here's the thing, right? So you're going to start it up with three or four men. That's all these projects take, right? Any project, subversive or overt, three or four men who are right or die, right or die. And we're going to go hard. And this is our goal for, you know, however long it takes us to, to succeed at this thing, God willing and with God's help. You know, it's Jonathan and his armor bearer. We're going to go up there and if they say come, then up we go. And if the Lord delivers them into our hand, praise God. If not, we were in faith. So the overt guys, you're going to, you know, three or four guys, you're going to start an, uh, a university in your basement. Here's the thing. Everyone and their mother is, at first they're going to ignore you. No one's going to give you contracts. No one's going to give you supplies. No one's going to give you money. No one's, you know, first they ignore you. So then you scrape and you, 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 you build and you, you hustle and you grind and okay, we're building some momentum. So they, so first they ignore you, then they start mocking you, right? They're like, oh, strip mall seminary and you know, whatever else, all these like, you know, who would go to such a crappy place or they try to associate you, you know, with with the Austrian artist or they try to associate, you know, they try and mock you or like they attack you. And then, you know, once you've sorted all of that out, boom, you become a mature institution because you've weathered all the storms. You've sorted out all of uh, the attacks. Now you are a mature institution and that might take you 10 years, you know, it might take you however long, but now you also have to realize you are a young institution. And so all of that accumulated power, you're fighting old money. You're fighting old power and that's fine. And, and it's great. You know, you, with the Lord, we, we fight, but I'm just saying those are the two, uh, you either subvert or you overt. Cameron McDade. Welcome brother. And God bless you. 
Mr. Max, caffeine addiction doesn't aggress on anybody as long as you don't run out of caffeine. My goodness. My God. I'd probably lie on my bed for three days groaning. <clears throat> Your children are more than what you give them. God makes more of them than you can put into them and equip them, gifting them in ways that are hard to anticipate. And I think that's the exciting thing, you know, is creation guarding. They are so good at, oh, no, don't give that guy a platform. Or, you know, oh, you spoke with him. You're also out. Both of you are out. Straight to jail. Straight to Twitter jail. RJJ, welcome, brother. Franco on Safari. Yes. Actually, I should wear my Safari hat. I have, I have a pith helmet. That'll be tomorrow's prop, as it were. All right. What, what else did I have? Permission versus mission. So how do you know when you are seeking social acceptance rather than building institutional power? It's when you are seeking permission versus building a mission. And, and what we see here is Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah, right? So Nehemiah has a mission. You know, and sure, there's, you know, he has to ask permission of the king to go and do it, but but God blesses him and gives him favor with the king and he goes and does it. I'm not talking about that. You know, okay, sure, he asked for permission. That's fine. What I'm talking about is when you're building, you know, and, and maybe we see that as well. You know, maybe there has to be some permitting and some accreditation. And it's like, oh, if you want to start a, you know, start a, a university, you have to get, uh, you have to be a doctor or a, well, I don't know, however universities are started. Or if like, oh, you want to you know, start a bank, you have to get a securities commission, blah, blah, blah. Like, and that's fine. So you have to get accreditation and permission. That's fine. What I'm saying is in your personal life, in your personal life, am I seeking permission from people or am I just crushing my mission? This is how we know we're still in a social acceptance versus an institution building mindset. So with Nehemiah, he gets all the accreditation crap done. He's a man under authority. So he gets authority from the king to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city. So he's there, he's crushing, he's on a mission. He knows what his mission is. His mission is get this wall up, build build the wall, believe me, folks. Nehemiah, no one builds walls better than Nehemiah, folks. So he's building and uh, people come and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, who said you could do this? And he's like, I don't care, screw you, I'm building. And he's like, whoa, you can't do this. Uh, at least come down and do a planning commission. No, 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 screw you, I'm building. You know, hey, whoa, uh, you know, you need to come meet with this guy and do some diplomacy before you, no, 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 we're building. Screw everyone, we're building. Whereas permission is like, you know, some guy comes along and is like, I, I don't know. I don't like this whole wall building stuff. And it's like, well, brother. And we start engaging. We start justifying. We start arguing why what we're doing is acceptable. It's like, chaps, you don't argue with people who want you dead. You don't want, you don't argue with people who want to destroy your mission. You don't ask for permission from people who are diametrically opposed to your whole existence. You just crush your mission. And so this is why I say social acceptance is a, it's something that we are, we grow up with as Anglo Western Anglosphere boys, social acceptance, social acceptance, you know, our feminized school systems, liberal school systems, like social acceptance. Can I go to the bathroom? You know, um, everything is, oh my gosh, don't get kicked out of the group. Don't say something wrong. Uh, they punish boundary setting, you know? So if <clears throat> I'm an adult man. I need to go to the bathroom. I'm, you know, and I'll be polite. Please excuse me. I'm going to go to the bathroom. It would punish that boundary setting, that ownership, that level of ownership. It's punished. So you have no, no ownership. You have no boundary ability. So we go through life as these little cubicle slaves who seek at all times social approval. And you see this, you know, you see this where, you know, you can't even... You know, we, we don't have to go into the whole thing of political correctness. We see it all around us. But then you see men who are just crushing. Men who just, you know, and that's why the Donald was such an amazing meme. He was such an amazing uh, state change for us. I was like, oh my gosh, this man just crushes. He doesn't ask for permission. He doesn't care for social acceptance, right? He's got FU money, FU power. You know, he could kill a man on Fifth Avenue and no one would care, you know, and he can grab a woman and no one would care. And it's like, no, no one cared because he's a man on a mission and he's crashing. And he didn't care. See, now, if he had cared, it would have been different. If he had groveled and apologized and cried, everyone would be like, oh, this guy's a cuck. You know, screw him. But the fact that he never apologized, he never justified, he never asked for permission. He's just like, no, this is where I'm going. I'm crashing. And yep, you know, I have some flaws. Jesus says to the 72, he's like, you know, eat my blood, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they're like, what a, what a weirdo. And he's like, Cruz, get out of here. F you. 
and they all leave him. And then he turns to his 12, to his ride or die guys. And he's like, what about you guys? You going to cruise? Get out of here. And they're like, Lord, where would we go? And he's like, cool. All right. That's fine. He didn't care for, he like Jesus literally intentionally offended people because he wasn't beholden. He wasn't looking for social acceptance. He was a man on a mission. He was crushing institutional power, the, the, the greatest institutional power of all time, the power over sin, the power over life and death. A man on a mission. He was building. He was crushing. <clears throat> Stalin. RJJ, Stalin. Ha, ha, ha. I need a badge from Miss to go out into the corridor during class time. Yeah, and then we transfer that to misses, right? A lot of guys, we we are we are taught to avoid the upset woman, to appease the upset woman. So we get married, and it's like, can I go to a boys' night? Can I go to it? And it's like, you know, that's our that's our liberal framing. You know, we've been so de-boundaried, de-missionized. Uh, praise God. All righty, chaps. Well, it's a nice quick one today. Let me just uh, figure out what else that I wanted to say about that whole thing of social acceptance and social power. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. You know, so so again, uh, my, my main encouragement for you guys today is let's crush. Let's not worry about social acceptance. Even to the point, here's the thing, right? You'll know, like if you get into a, a Twitter firestorm, you know, like, oh my gosh. And that's why the Donald could say, there is no such thing as bad news. All news is good news because he's like, I'm, and to not outrage and just be like, you know, to not cuck and fold in our age and just be like, yeah, this is where I'm going. And uh, that guy's, uh, that guy's, uh, you know, screw him. He's a little boy. And everyone's like, oh, this guy's based, you know, and it's like all news is good news. If you don't cuck, all news is good news. If you don't fold, if you don't outrage, if you don't apologize, because we're building towards something. And so, so that's my point to you guys is that branding firestorms, you know, like uh, news hunts, purges, doxing, you guys will survive. And even encourage you, like that's what I say, email each other, call each other, get mates who are ride or die. And it's like, it's not even ride or die. It's just literally like, hey, these guys won't throw me under the bus. You know, so if I get fired, if I get doxxed, it's like, do I have a couch to go stay on? Like, will a guy feed me? It's like, yeah, there are 7,000 dudes around your life who will take you in, who aren't afraid of social acceptance. They will, because we're building something, you know, and if you're a man who's building something, it means you've got a bit of honor. It means you've got a bit of strength, but courage a media firestorm having a doxing having a firing gives you a bump in honor you know like other dudes are like based that guy never folded based that guy never cucked that guy never apologized you know i know a guy who was fired from his his church i mean just online and i'm gonna meet him soon but like i know a guy who was fired from his church just for for affirming biblical patriarchy uh you know protecting protecting the family and that outraged a whole bunch of people, women predominantly. And so the the church eldership was like, oh, we can't have this kind of stuff. Fire him, clean, like throw him under the bus, you know, to appease the upset woman. And everybody who knows this guy is like, this guy's best. He never cucked. He never folded. Like he's not crying in a heap. Uh, he's actually still pretty based. Like he's just crushing. He's got a mission. He's got a life. He's He's got institutional power. He's got a family. He's got a business. He owns his own business, his own economy. He's got friends who are ride or die. And it's like, you, like, I find out about this guy. I'm like, I want to meet this guy. You know, it's like, it, it happens all the time. There are dudes who go through the paper wall of social death. We go through the paper wall of social assassination. And you come out on the other end and you're like, huh, hey, you know, and there's all these mates and they're like, hey, you know, and it's like, you've got higher honor. And it's like, you make the best mates you've ever made because it's like all your old mates were a bunch of cucks or a bunch of, uh, okay, that, that's rude. I, I wouldn't say I, I, I don't want to be mean, but it's like dudes who are normies. They're not going to stand up for anything. They're not going to have the courage of their convictions. They're going to follow social acceptance. And of course you break through that barrier and it's like, who do you become friends with? It's all dudes who are going against, they're all dudes who are institutional building. They're building institutional power. And it's like, man, for the first time in my life, Proverbs 18, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Like for the first time in your life, when you break through that paper wall of terror, that paper wall of social death, you, you finally become in, in, the, in uh, the company of great men attempting great things. It's awesome.
Matt, had to sit through a diversity and equ uh, equity meeting at work on Monday. I was the only sane guy in the room. It was very AIDS. Every day, I understand the Inquisition a bit more. It's a Christian nonprofit. Very relatable to your story. Jeez, dude. Uh, thoughts and prayers, brother. <laughs> uh, I'm actually reading uh, Vox Day's second book in his series on uh, SJWs Always Lie is the first book. Really good. And then the second book is SJWs Always Double Down. And he starts the book off with a with a story about a diversity training. Um, so I uh, I can imagine the horror. Praise God that you are alive, brother. Yeah, chaps. Um, God bless you all. Uh, go crush. Go build. You know, build family. Build property. Build your own economy. Build uh, friendships who are who are themselves crushing towards uh, mission. Who are crushing towards uh, institutional power. Uh, if you're a gray man, my God, I respect you, and uh, I send you thoughts and prayers. And if you're building overtly, yeah, praise God, brothers. I'd actually like to start uh, figuring out as well, um, just in a safe way, how we can all start uh, supporting each other's projects. You know, if we're building overt projects, overt institutions, you know, whether it's ministry institutions, media institutions, econ economic institutions, governmental institutions, like how, you know, as a tribe, as a diaspora of Christian nationalists, how we can start really connecting with each other. Um, and and really it is organic. The first way is, is to start uh, emailing and calling each other, you know, use Twitter, use Instagram, use Gab uh, to to push offline, you know, really try and, and call and, and email and meet up with guys. That is an institutional power. That is an institution that you are building is real life friendships, real life uh, relationships. Like it changes your life, chaps, changes your life. Andrew Quinn, thank you, brother. Yep, God bless you, chaps. Don't fear the paper wall, <laughs> the paper terror of social death. Uh, you know, and for many of you, it won't even come. You know, it won't even come. You'll you'll just be crushing. You'll be crushing so hard, and there's not enough HR in this world uh, to stop all of the crushing. Crushing beats paper. Rock beats paper every time. That's not true. The paper beats the rock. But in our world, the rock just busts. See, it's a lie. That's the lie they tell you. The lie is that paper beats rock. Man, rocks just crush papers. Love you, boys, and God bless. See you all tomorrow.